It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle belling And everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most this Christmas Eve, plan to join us for our candlelight and communion service at 6.30 p.m. We will make the journey with Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ with songs and rejoicing. If you are unable to join us at 6.30, take time to stop by with your families for our Come and Go communion services from 4 to 6 p.m. We look forward to celebrating the birth of our Savior with you. I like to eat. Do you like to eat? I like to eat. Do you like to eat? I like to eat. Do you like to eat? I like to eat. Do you like to eat? I like to eat. Do you like to eat? I like to eat. Do you like to eat? I like to eat. Do you like to eat? I like to eat. Do you like to eat? I like to eat. Do you like to eat? I like to eat. Do you like to eat? I like to eat. Do you like to eat? I like to eat. Do you like to eat? Just eat it. Eat it. Don't you make me repeat it. Coming in January 2020, a new sermon series, Flourishing in an Upside-Down World. Join us as we examine Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount and learn how to flourish as God's people in this upside-down world. This morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, there we go. That works better. Um, I want to remind you to uh, fill out your attendance sheets and, um, and then place those in the offering when the time comes. Um, I also want to um, just let you know, um, in case you weren't paying attention to the video, like me, um, and uh, that, that we are doing Come and Go Communion on Christmas Eve. Um, and uh, that's intended to be a time when families come together and share um, as a family in communion. I'll just tell you, it may be a little different than how you did it um, five or six years ago, but it will still be a time for families to gather and do communion. Um, and... Um, and then we'll also be having communion for the Christmas Eve worship service. So hopefully um, you will um, come and participate in uh, both of those. So um, just, just uh, to reinforce that one more time, um, because I've had a few folks ask me, you haven't said anything about come and go communion for a while. Are we having it? Um, so yes, we are. It is awesome to be here today, isn't it? Christmas is, uh, it's not too far away, is it? <laughs> I haven't looked at my calendar yet. Is it this week? It, Tuesday is Christmas Eve. Can you believe that? Are you ready? Are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready for the coming of Christ? Ah, there we go. Well, good, because you're in the right place. 
We gather together here to be reminded that Christ is in our presence. We don't have to wait till Christmas Day. He's here now. And we gather together to be reminded of Christ's presence. We come in expectation and anticipation that as we gather together, that we will uh, be drawn closer to God and closer to one another and that the Spirit will work deep within us to continue to shape us and form us so that we can be the people that God intended us to be, so that we can be the community of faith that demonstrate and exhibit the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. And so let us stand and let us celebrate the fact that Christ is among us this day and every day. Amen. You could be seated as the Harrisons come forward to light our Advent candles and lead us in this portion of worship. That's yours. The prophet Isaiah tells us how God comes through someone who receives God's Spirit and through a community that hears the good news. The Spirit of the living God is upon me because God has anointed me to announce the good news to the humble, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, and to release those in prison, to comfort all of those who mourn, to give them garlands instead of ashes, oil of gladness, instead of mourners' tears. If we follow Jesus Christ, we get everything we hope for and more than we bargained for. We light our fourth candle in anticipation that the Spirit of God will anoint us and send us forth to demonstrate God's liberating love. Living Christ, give us faith to trust you, hope to follow you, wisdom to know you, and love that overflows from us. We trust you, we love you, we praise you. Let us stand and join our voices together as we sing angels. 
uh, from the realm of glory. be seated, and I invite you to uh, be in an attitude of prayer as we go to the Lord in prayer this day. Gracious God, as we gather in this space, may we indeed be reminded of your presence. Settle our hearts, take away those things that distract us from your presence and from your spirit. Help us, Lord, as we uh, get closer and closer to Christmas. In the midst of the hustle and bustle and uh, getting ready for those things that we, we do year after year, at this holiday time. Slow us down and remind us of what it is that we celebrate. Your incarnation and your coming into this world in flesh to be with us, to demonstrate your love and your ways. We pray especially in this season, Lord, for those families who find themselves disconnected from one another um, for those families who have lost loved ones. In this season when um, all the songs are about joy and the gathering of families, it can be a difficult time for them. And so we lift them up, Lord, and 
and may you uh, touch them and bring people around them to um, embrace them and remind them uh, that your presence is with them. We come together as your people, as you told us to, to lift up the things that weigh heavily upon our souls. And so uh, we, we pray, Lord, for uh, dearly loved ones in the congregation who are struggling with sickness and illness, who are recovering from falls and broken bones and, and simply being sick. And we would just ask, Lord, that you, that you would touch them, that you would enable us as a congregation uh, to surround them and support them and encourage them. We pray, Lord, for uh, families in our community um, who during this season are just reminded of of what they lack. Help us, Lord, to reach out in generosity to share our abundance with others. Most of all, help us to reach out into our community to share your love and your grace with folks not just during this season, but throughout the year. We also come, Lord, to give thanksgiving and praise for those places where we have seen you at work. We give thanksgiving for the opportunity to participate in a, a baptism on this day and to embrace a family and uphold them and encourage them um, to grow in their relationship with you and to raise their child in such a way. We give thanksgiving for this opportunity simply to gather together, to be reminded of your goodness and your graciousness, to be reminded that indeed you, you loved us so much that you came in flesh to walk with us and be with us, and that you continue to be with us. As we gather in this space this day, open up our hearts, our minds, the very depths of our being. Continue to shape us and form us as individuals and as a congregation so that we truly can make a difference in the lives of other people so that the prayer that you taught us to pray will not simply be words that we say, but will be our heartfelt desire that your kingdom might indeed come through us here on earth. Now we join our voices together in that prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you'll all please stand as you are able as we sing, O Come All Ye Faithful.
Father, we thank you. We come in worship of you in awe and wonder and excitement and anticipation, Lord. We, we gather here today. We come in the name of the one who came so that you may step into our world anew and do something amazing within our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Kids, if you would like to come up for the uh, children's moment. Good morning. Thank you guys for coming down. How are you? Good. Hey, I want to ask you a question. Can you smile if you can tell me what prayer is? What does prayer mean? Smile if you can tell me. Cash? Uh, last time I shut my pants on the toilet. Okay, well, yeah, that's, that's a little, yeah. Sorry about that, buddy. Was there any prayer involved? Uh, good, good. Good deal. Okay, prayer. What is prayer? The talking to God. Yeah, we can talk to God. We are very blessed because we can talk to God. If we're scared, if we're worried, all right, you can talk to God. It's, prayer is a great thing. We just said a prayer, and it was a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, the Our Father who art in heaven, that one. And I'm telling you, there is no sweeter sound in this church than when you guys are saying that prayer. That's a really neat prayer to memorize. I'm going to teach you a prayer, and this is kind of one I came up with. I'm not saying that I'm, you know, great prayer maker, but this one's easy to remember because it's got three words in it. Thank you. I call it the thank you prayer. And then amen at the end. You like it? Okay. I thought I'd teach you guys how to do it. This is a great thing to do anytime you'd like to, all right? It's called the thank you prayer. Dustin's going to help us a little bit. So what we do is you think about somebody that you've seen today or you've come in contact with today, and you kind of close your eyes and picture them in your mind. We've got some pictures up here, okay? All right? So what you do is you think, yes, yes. Okay? So when you're, when you're saying your prayer, you think about that person and you say this, thank you. You want to try it? Everybody say thank you. Because we got to see them today. We, they, we came in contact with them. Now think of somebody else. And we say, thank you. All right? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm getting five bucks for that, right? Okay, you said so. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we're thinking of these people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are getting good at this. Thank you. 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 Okay, wait a minute. Hold on. This is Mary Savini. You know what she did at lunch? She poked a hole in my sandwich. Just poked a hole in it. She's mean. She sat at my table. I don't think I want to say thank you. Is that okay if I just skip her? One? Wait a minute. 
Did she poke a hole in your sandwich? She's mean. Well, we got to say thank you for her. You're lucky. You're lucky. But there are people that we come in contact with we may not be happy about. But that's a chance for us to show God's love to them. Maybe I should bring her half a sandwich. You know, maybe she doesn't have a sandwich. So I can show God's love to her. All right, even though I'm not real happy about Mary Sveeney, I'm going to say it, okay? So I got to say it. Thank you, okay? Thank you, and thank you. And then we say, amen. This is a great way to think about the people that have touched your lives and have been important to you, and, some, and God set them in front of us for a reason, good or bad, all right? Can we have a little prayer? You say it along with me. Thank you, Lord, for shepherds keeping watch. Thank you for families. And thank you for your love. Amen. Merry Christmas. Have fun.
What are we waiting for? Are you all ready for Christmas? Are you ready for the coming of Christ? Are you ready to be set free this Christmas? Say that again. Yes, you're ready? All right. Now, how come the rest of you aren't ready like Oliver? Well, we have been looking at um, this first chapter of Luke throughout Advent. We have, um, we've, we've seen the angel Gabriel, right, come to Zechariah um, to tell him that God was doing something new. We've seen the, the angel Gabriel uh, come to Mary and invite her to participate in what he's doing. We have seen a dialogue and, and this uh, encounter between uh, Mary and Elizabeth in which they celebrate this great uh, reversal that God is bringing about in this new thing that he is doing. And, and we're going to continue with uh, this story in Luke today, uh, but um, sometimes I, I think we're so familiar with this story um, that we, uh, we, don't, we fail to grasp it in the context of which it was being shared. I mean, do you realize that so far in the story, there are only three people who know that God is doing something new? Have you ever thought about that? Right? Um, Zachariah and Elizabeth and Mary. I mean, according to Luke's story, Joseph doesn't even know yet because as soon as the angel appeared to her and she heard the message from the angel, she rushed off to be with her relative Elizabeth and she has been with Elizabeth, as we'll learn in our story this day, she's been with Elizabeth for six months. She stays with Elizabeth uh, right until up to the time she's ready to give birth to her child. And so there are only three people who know what's going on. And today, we're going to uh, go back and we're going to um, hear this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and the birth of their child. The last time, if you remember, the last time that we encountered Zechariah, where was he? Does anybody remember? Nobody remembers? Nobody was here? <laughs> you do? You remember where he was? You don't, okay. At least you're honest. Where did Gabriel meet Zechariah? Okay, there we go. Y'all shouldn't be so shy. You're like the first Sunday I was here. You remember the first Sunday I did the kids' church and I asked them who God was and what they knew about God and they just kind of looked at me like, we never heard that name before. Zechariah was in the temple, wasn't he? He was doing his priestly duty. Um, uh, Gabriel came to him and, and said, um, God's answering your prayer. Um, he's answering this prayer that you and Elizabeth have had for a child. Um, even though that she was beyond childbearing age, she would no longer be barren. But the angel said, uh, God's doing more than that. He's answering your prayer for Israel. And, and, you know, we need to be reminded um, Israel had returned from exile 
um, in 530 BC, if I remember right. Um, the temple was rebuilt in 520, something like that. Um, and um, they had anticipated when that would happen, they, they had anticipated that in some way they would return to the days of David, and they hadn't done that yet. And in fact, the, uh, the temple had been ransacked again and restored once again um, in their days, but um, they were still waiting for the good old days. Does that sound familiar? They were still waiting for the good old. Oftentimes when we find ourselves in the midst of, uh, of difficult times and we look around in the world and we think the world is falling apart and we feel oppressed and, and beaten down and we look at all the hatred in the world, oftentimes we think the answer is the good old days, right? Isn't that what we think? If we just return to those good old days, kind of like the Israelites, right, in the wilderness, when they got hungry, they wanted to return to the good old days when they were enslaved by Pharaoh. Somehow the good old days get changed and transformed in our minds. Well, we're going to learn more about um, this coming, this new thing that God is doing today as we read from Luke chapter 1. We're going to be back with Zechariah and Elizabeth, but this time instead of in Jerusalem in the temple, we're going to be in their house in the Judean hills where Elizabeth and um, Mary had been. And so I invite you to um, hear this afresh and anew, beginning in verse 57 of chapter 1. When the time came for Elizabeth to have her child... She gave birth to a boy. Her neighbors and relatives celebrated with her because they had heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. And so on the eighth day, it came time to circumcise the child. They wanted to name him Zachariah because that was his father's name. But his not mother replied, no, nope. his name will be John. And they said to her, none of your relatives have that name. Then they began to gesture to his father uh, to see what he wanted to call him. Now, I forgot to mention, what else happened to Zechariah in the temple? He couldn't talk, right? Zechariah's been mute for nine months. Lord, help me, what would I do? I don't know about you all, um, that would be real punishment. But he had been mute for um, nine months, and so apparently he still hadn't spoken. And, and so the people, they, they gestured to him to see what he wanted to call this child. And, and after asking for a tablet, um, he surprised everyone by writing, his name is John. That's what the angel Gabriel had told him, that the name of his child should be, Right? And at that moment, Zechariah was able to speak again, and he began praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and everyone throughout the Judean highlands talked about what had happened. All who heard about this considered it carefully, and they said, What then will this child be? Indeed, the Lord's power was with Zechariah. 
And John's father, Zechariah, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he began to prophesy. And these are the first words out of his mouth after nine months of not being able to speak. And he says, Blessed the Lord God of Israel because he has come to help and has delivered his people. He has raised a mighty Savior for us in his servant David's house, just as he said through the, months, through the mouths of his holy prophets long ago. He has brought salvation from our enemies and from the power of all those who hate us. He has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant, the solemn pledge he made to our ancestor Abraham. He has granted that we would be rescued from the power of our enemies so that we could serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in God's eyes for as long as we live. You, child, this is Zechariah now speaking to uh, his child that was just born. You, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. You will tell his people how to be saved through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's deep compassion, the dawn from heaven will break upon us to give light to those who are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide us on the path of peace. These are the words that came out of Zechariah's mouth after nine months of silence. May we hear them as the Word of God and respond to them this day. God has come to save us and deliver us. Whatever else might be going on in this passage and as this unfolds, we are told over and over again that whatever God is doing in this birth of this child to Zachariah and Elizabeth and of this birth to this child to Mary, that God has come to save and rescue. God has come to deliver His people. He's raised up a mighty Savior to save them from their enemies so that they can serve God. Now what does it mean to say that God has come to deliver and to save His people? It's easy for us to think about this salvation and this rescue as I'm sure that some, uh, even Zechariah and Elizabeth, even Mary, as they grappled with what does this mean to say that God is coming uh, to save His people? What would have been on their mind is something similar to the Exodus, don't you think? That God had come to deliver them from the oppression of the Roman armies. That God had come to, to set them up, to set them free so that they could go forward and, and they could once again be a nation of their own and, and rule themselves and, and they would have a king like David. Don't you think that that was certainly in their minds and their anticipation of what God was doing? And yet, if we pay attention to what Zechariah says, we discover that um, there is more going on here than just some kind of political revolution. 
some political changing of the powers. No longer will Rome be in charge, but the people of Israel or the people of God will be in charge. There's more going on than just a shift in political power. And so John or, or Zechariah goes on to uh, describe exactly what John's role will be. And this is where we, we get this hint that there's more here than just some political uh, change that is going to happen. He says, our child John will be a, a prophet. And he will tell the people how to be saved. Through forgiveness of sins. Wait a second. Through forgiveness of sins? I mean, don't you think they anticipated uh, that um, John was going to come and he was going to get the people ready for the coming uh, of this Savior or this King or this Rescuer, that, that he was going to get them ready by telling them to take up arms and to get ready to overthrow the Romans? I mean, isn't that the way that we're supposed to take back the world for God? Well, maybe not. It says that John would tell the people how to be saved through forgiveness of their sins. How often is it that when we look around and we see how bad the world is and we see what's going on, we think that we need to be delivered from our circumstances or our situations. We need to be delivered from something out there. Right? And yet, this seems to indicate that there's something within us that we need to be delivered from. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, in Malachi chapter 3, it says that um, a messenger will come from God in this age of salvation. A messenger will come from God, and he will speak about the refiner's fire and the fuller's soap. He'll talk about people being refined and cleansed. And of course, if we're familiar with John the Baptist's message later in chapter Luke, or in chapter three of Luke, he begins to talk about people needing to repent and change their ways. See, it seems that, in other words, if we're going to get ready and prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ, it begins by looking at ourselves as individuals and ourselves as a community of God's people. This new thing that God is doing is that He's going to, to call and shape a people. He is going to free a people not just from their external bondage, but from our internal bondage. He's doing much more than setting people free from some political things. He is setting us free from those things which bind us up. He is setting us free from those things that we have allowed to come between us and God. He is setting us free from our pride 
and our greed and our envy. He is setting us free from, from these false selves that we create uh, where, we, where we think that that's the way to exist in the world. God has come to set people free, not just from the Roman government, but to give them a freedom that will allow them, despite their circumstances, to be the people God intended them to be, to be the community that God intended them to be, to be a people who live and love like Jesus, to be a community who demonstrates the love of God, to be a community that instead of, of looking at the world and telling them they need to get their act together, a community that demonstrates what it looks like to live according to God's ways. And so the prophet John is coming to prepare the way by challenging people to receive forgiveness and to repent so that their ways might be changed and they will truly be ready for the message and the ways of Jesus. John comes and says that the one that he is preparing the way for will teach us to walk in the paths of peace. So just in case we weren't certain about whether this was going to be a political revolution or a military revolution, he, he, it is made clear here that the ways of Jesus are not going to be the ways of the world. That the means itself, or that the end itself is not uh, just the, the only thing that's important, but the means are important also. And Jesus and God, they will act consistent with their being and their call. And so we, we listen closely to this passage today, even though I, I'm sure that the people of Jesus' days, Luke takes the rest of his, of his uh, gospel to unfold just what it is that God was trying to get across in Jesus and His teaching. That this rescue... And this salvation that is underway is much broader than just a military overthrow or a political overthrow or just empowering a certain number of people. It is about turning the world right side up again so that people might be freed from that which binds them and might be freed to live in the way God intended us to live. So we are not just freed from that which binds us, but we are freed and set free to worship and serve God in holiness and righteousness. In other words, we are enabled to live and to love like Jesus 
regardless of the circumstances in which we find ourselves, regardless of whatever chaos and whatever else might be going on in the world, because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we are free to live and to love like Jesus each and every day. And only we can take that freedom away from ourselves by allowing barriers to stand between us and God. Jesus is coming. Jesus is here. Jesus comes afresh and anew into our lives this day to set us free. Are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready for the coming of Christ? Are you ready to let loose of that which binds you so that the Spirit might set you free? Are you ready for the coming of Christ and for the Spirit that will enable us as individuals and as a community to demonstrate God's love and grace in the world. And instead of asking God to change our circumstances and our situation, that we might begin to demonstrate for the world this better way that Jesus came to proclaim and still proclaims this day. Let us prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ. Let us release that which binds us so we may be set free. Let us receive that Spirit which empowers us and sets us free and enables us not to just talk about joy and peace and love, but enables us to demonstrate and to be those things for a hurting and broken world. Christ is coming. Christ is here. May we be ready to receive Him this day. Amen. Our ushers will come forward. You're invited at this time uh, not to just give of your, your tithes and your gifts, but to offer your whole selves. During this time, I invite you to simply reflect what are the things you need to let loose on, let loose of, so that you might be set free and empowered to follow Jesus with your whole heart.
Gracious God, we thank you for the gifts, for the giver, for your presence in both. Indeed, may you use both for your kingdom work so that the world might see your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. And now you all may be seated. The Beckwiths are invited to come forward. You have this awesome opportunity today. You get to participate in the baptism of Noah Dean Hood. I think Noah's excited. (laughs) He's excited about something, aren't you, young man? Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation, given new birth through water and the Spirit, and all this is God's gift, offered without price. Casey and Cameron, do you accept the freedom and power that God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they may present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to open yourselves to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit so you may continue to be shaped into people who live and love like Jesus? Will you nurture Noah in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and your example, he may be guided to accept and respond to God's grace and to profess his faith openly so that he too may grow up to live and to love like Jesus. All right, folks, now it's your turn. As Christ's body, will you reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you support and encourage Cameron and Carrie and Noah to grow as Christ followers, empowered and gifted by the Spirit so they might make a difference in the lives of other people? Then join together. We will pray for Noah and nurture him so that he may grow in his love of God and neighbor. Amen. Yeah, the pastor left out some words there. I get to do that, don't I? Ah, Let us pray. Gracious God, pour out your Spirit upon this water. Indeed, Lord, may, uh, may your Spirit through this water as it washes over Noah. Fill him with your Spirit. Enable him to hear your voice, to know your ways. Enable him to respond to you throughout the rest of his life so that he might live into this baptism and be a person who lives and loves like Jesus. Pour out your spirit upon this water and upon those here gathered this day. Amen. (laughs) Come on, buddy. Hello there. I'm going to let you see him. Okay. All right, yes, water. Okay, here we go. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son 
One more. And of the Holy Spirit. Indeed, may the Spirit of God be upon you this day and every day. Look out there at those people. Look out there at those people. I want to look at mom and dad. All right, you ready? Can you welcome Noah? Indeed, may the Holy Spirit be upon you, enabling you to raise him and to guide him. And may the Spirit be upon you, Noah, that you may know God's presence this day and every day. May the Spirit be upon us that we might remember our baptism and we might be reminded the Spirit is in us and with us and enables us to live and to love like Jesus. Amen? All righty, let us stand and join our voices together. You all are welcome to return to your seats or, um, and, and um, you all will be at the back to greet folks. Awesome. Oh, hang on. I told you I'd forget this. I remind you. December 22nd, every year that can be part of your holiday decorations. Get that candle out and remind him that he was baptized this day. Let us go forth from here to receive Christ afresh and anew into our lives this day and this Christmas season so that all people might see Christ in and through us. Go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit to be the people God intended us to be. People who live and love like Jesus and make a difference in the lives of others. Amen? Amen. Hit it.
Amen.